Welcome back to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. My name is John Veldheis, senior writer for BadgerBlitz.com. Joining me again is uh, John McNamara, the publisher of BadgerBlitz.com, and Jonathan Mills, a staff writer for BadgerBlitz.com. How are you guys doing this week? Doing, doing great, well, John. Great to All be right. back on the podcast. Absolutely. So, you know, obviously uh, the, the big thing that we're going to be talking about is uh, recapping Wisconsin's win over Florida Atlantic from last weekend and then we'll dive a little bit later in, in the show into looking at what we expect to see uh, when the Badgers travel out to Provo, Utah to take on BYU this coming weekend. So without uh, you know, wasting too much of your guys' time here, uh, I'd be curious to get your opinions about what you saw from the Badgers last week when they took on the Owls. I, I think it's fair to say that it was uh, a little closer than I think people expected it to be, particularly on the scoreboard, not necessarily on the stat sheet where the Badgers kind of had their way, particularly in the, sec- particularly in the second half, I guess, uh, over the Owls. Um, but w- was there anything in, in this last week's game against Florida Atlantic that you, know, you guys thought might be of a, a significant concern for Wisconsin in the long term. Like, did this, did that game, or you know, the combination of their game against Florida Atlantic and then their their season opener against Utah State change what you guys are expecting to see out of the team this year? Yeah, that's a good question. I think you mentioned that statistically. You know, statistically, they look pretty good against Florida Atlantic, um, but for every kind of positive, I think there's there's a, a negative or two that you can point out. You know, Jonathan Taylor obviously is the glaring positive there. I mean, rushing for over 200 yards and three touchdowns, but uh, he put the ball on the ground a couple of times, and then that that fourth that fourth and goal that they weren't able to convert kind of stands out to me too. I don't I don't think that all falls on Jonathan Taylor, but uh, it's a little concerning that Wisconsin wasn't able to uh, to put the ball in the end zone on that drive. Um, you know the the blown coverage, I guess, with Nick Nelson thinking he had safety help. That's that's a little concerning as well. Um, you know, something that they can get corrected, but. I think Florida Atlantic's, you know, up-tempo, pushing-tempo offense gave Wisconsin some trouble, too, as well. So, you know, with that being said, too, I, th- I think Wisconsin has intentionally been a little vanilla on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, I don't I think, think we've, so well. you know, I don't think we've seen really uh, anywhere near what, what Jim Leonard kind of has in store for this defense. You know, the, the little wrinkle we have seen is that 2-4-5 that look, but I, I think we're going to start to see more and more uh, a few more wrinkles from that defense as the season progresses. I think you'll definitely start to see that against BYU. The one thing that I guess I wanted to point out in rela- in relation to that blown coverage that uh, resulted in the, the 60, 60 plus yard touchdown for uh, Florida Atlantic's first touchdown is that after the game, Derek Tindall said that w- with mistakes like that, you know, obviously they the, the Badgers don't want to go out there and, and commit those. Uh, those uh, those mistakes or, or blow those coverages or miscommunicate with each other. But the thing that he's looking for is uh, can they prevent those things from happening a second time? Or, you know, you, you make the mistake, how do you respond to it? Uh, so I, I, I guess that's kind of what I'm looking for in this uh, this next game and, you know, in weeks in the, in the weeks to come is you know, are, are they still allowing those big plays? It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, touchdowns or anything like that, but are, are, you, are they still – miscommunicating are they still giving up big plays that you know flip the field position uh so i guess we'll see if they can iron those things out or if it's just a a one-off you know bad play that they can kind of learn something from but i guess that's the thing that i was you know kind of taking into mind specifically with that one defensive play 
Well, I just wanted – I was, saw another glaring issue on the offensive big play side of someone who's not getting a lot of big plays. Jazz Peavy, to me, has been particularly quiet this year. I, I don't know if it's just the playbook that they have right now, but it seems that Hornibook's really kept making a lot of throws to Troy Fumagalli. I mean, last game he already had a career-best eight receptions for 92 yards. And only this season, Jazz Peavy's only gotten 33 yards on three catches, whereas last year he's gotten 635. So I just don't know – if Jeff's PV maybe isn't making the right plays or what the Hornerbrook is playing with Pumagalli, but I like to see him maybe get a little bit more action. Yeah, with I that too, the, I think uh, Quintez Cephas has stepped up quite a bit too. He, um, yeah. But, you know, like you, like you were saying, Mills, I, Hornerbrook really seems to be uh, honing in on, on Troy Fumagalli, and obviously that's it's a very safe thing to do. Obviously, you know, he's got a chance to be an All-American tight end, but you wonder if that will, will limit them a bit as the season goes on. Um, you know, you know, Fumagalli is a, a guy that could probably catch ten balls a game if if you gave him the, the targets. But uh, you know, I think they need to spread things out a little bit more, and I, I think that'll come with, like I said, uh, you know, not you know giving the offense a little bit more of a of a flavor to it. Like I said, I think they've been a little bit vanilla. I think you're going to see some things open up a bit more. Um, you, you know, maybe a guy like Kyle Penniston getting more involved. You know, Danny Davis getting more involved. And, you know, Jazz PB does need to get more involved as Wisconsin's number one receiver. So I think what Paul Chris is going to open up that playbook a little bit more moving forward. The thing that, that I've heard from uh, talking to the players this week and from what Joe Rudolph said uh, when, we, when we spoke with him on Tuesday is the, the Badgers uh, in their offense just need to start picking each other up to to clean up those those minor details that are getting in the way of – you know, converting on third down or uh, scoring in the red zone on, on fourth and one. Like, uh, you know, the passes are not always going to be perfect. They're not always going to be in the right spot. Uh, you know, a receiver might, uh, you know, hit, you know, get, get a ball that hits them in the hands or it gets to them in a the wrong spot or, or something like that. But what they were talking about is, you know, it doesn't need to be perfect, but if you have a chance to go out and make the play, you need to go out and make the play. And so, I guess the thing to look for is, you know, do we see the, the drops go down in the next couple of weeks? Because I think that was something that, you know, in the first couple uh, series against Utah State, when the Badgers kind of stumbled out of the gates, uh, it was, uh, you know, the Badgers were, the passes were getting to the receivers and, um, you, know, you know, hitting them in, or getting them, getting to them in places where, you know, they should reasonably have, a, have uh, an expectation of coming down with the ball. But they didn't, and you know that's kind of why Wisconsin's offense stalled out early on. And then, you know, the in in this last game in week two, the the passes weren't exactly where they needed to be. But do you make the extra effort or do what you need to do to come down with that ball and pick up your quarterback a little bit? So I guess that's kind of the the, the thing that I think they can clean up on. And you know, if they if they can turn even a couple of those like drops on third down into uh, conversions, I mean, like who knows how much better. Wisconsin's offense looks like against Florida Atlantic or if they score on the uh on the fourth and one you know that's an extra seven points if they don't turn the ball over uh with Hornerbrook uh you know missing that linebacker when he was you know kind of locking on to Cephas who was uh coming out open into out of his route with uh with pressure in his face I mean there's just a there's a bunch of little things it's just how much do the little things add up to to weigh them down now that they are moving into what we what we think is the uh, the more difficult part of their schedule with the, the trip to BYU coming up, and then obviously they had the Big Ten schedule start, uh, starting two weeks later. Yeah, I would agree with the, with a lot of that. So um, I, I think they've, 
You know, one thing you could take away here, you talk about cleaning stuff up, is um, the thing that stands out to me is the adjustments that they made at halftime. I don't think they have a lot of po- uh, a point after halftime. So um, yeah. that's that's certainly encouraging too. But I don't think they yeah. even crossed the um, midfield after half uh, after halftime. Florida Atlantic, I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's awfully encouraging. So um, we'll, we'll see if they can get some of that minor stuff cleaned up against BYU. And then, um, you know, it's, it's a bye week, and then it's on to Big Ten play. Yeah. So before we really start to talk about BYU and what the, what the Cougars are going to look like and the challenge that they'll present to the Badgers when they get out to Provo, uh, John, I, I know that uh, the Badgers received a commitment uh, in the last couple of days or so. I think, uh, was it during the Packer game or a little bit before or something like that? Yeah. So uh, Leo Chanel got uh, an offer from Wisconsin uh, Saturday during the game. He's the second in-state kid in-state kid to pick up an offer from Wisconsin in the 2019 class. And um, I talked to him Sunday earlier, you know, at the start of the afternoon. And I, you know, he had obviously great things to say about Wisconsin. And he, he said that, you know, uh, his recruiting coach, Chris Herring, wanted him to be the first commit in Wisconsin's 2019 class. And I thought that was very realistic. And you know, I said, you know, when do you see yourself potentially making a commitment? He said he's going to talk to his parents and coaches. So I expected something – you know, at the earliest, maybe Monday morning, Tuesday, that's usually how that would go about. But yeah, he committed Sunday night during the Packer game. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's a Wisconsin kid. It's a little surprising with that. So he's Wisconsin. That reminds, that yeah. reminds me of uh, back when, uh, I don't know if you remember from a couple of years ago, that uh, quarterback Chance Stewart, I believe, uh, ended up going to uh, Western Michigan after the after the coaching change. But I think he, he picked up an offer or I talked to him uh, – <laughs> you know, pretty shortly after getting it, I I can't remember if that was still Brett Beal and the staff or what, uh, but I, I was talking to him one day and I said, you know, when he, like, what's your uh, timeline look like for a decision-making process? He says, oh, I don't know, you know, it'd be, uh, I got to talk it over. Uh, it could be far out. And then literally the next day, you know, he, uh, he pops and commits and obviously he didn't. And I'm going to Wisconsin, but man, I mean, like sometimes you just never know what these guys are talking about when they say what their timeline is. Yeah. I, I think as soon as he picked up that offer, it was a done deal. And I think the coaches knew that. And I think his family knew that. So, um, you know, the writing was certainly on the wall and he, he pulled the, the trigger maybe a, in a couple hours before I expected him to do so. But, you know, nevertheless, he's the first commitment from Wisconsin in the 2019 class. Uh, he probably projects the inside linebacker for the Badgers. Uh, pretty good athlete. You know, I talked to his high school coach, and uh, he plays linebacker for them, obviously. But he's worked at defensive end, defensive tackle. Uh, he's a good running back for them, and he's he's played a little bit of receiver as well. So he's a kid that they use all over the field. And, um, you know, another storyline to watch there is his older brother, John, is he's currently committed in uh, North Dakota, and Wisconsin offered him a preferred walk-on spot to play linebacker for them as well. And uh, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if he were to flip his commitment from North Dakota to Wisconsin as a preferred walk-on. I think the chance for those two to continue to play together is pretty high, um, you know, pretty appealing for both. So I could, I could definitely see that happening, Wisconsin uh, adding another – uh, brother combination on this team. Not to mention, I think the last preferred walk-on that they flipped from uh, North Dakota turned out to be a pretty good player. Yeah, not not bad at all. I would agree with that. So I think in we were talking last week about uh, Deshaun Brown and uh, in talking before the show, before we got going, you said that you got a chance to go uh, watch him play recently too? Yeah, I saw him play Saturday, and he was the first in-state kid Wisconsin offered. Uh, he's a kid that, that plays quarterback in high school. I I think he'll have a shot to do so 
you know, at whatever school he chooses uh, in college, you know, most most more likely than not, he'll, he'll wind up at maybe receiver, defensive back. He played a little bit of cornerback uh, the game I got to see him play, but uh, he's just an explosive athlete. And the thing I came away thinking was, um, you know, in doing this, there's there's maybe only a handful of kids who legitimately every time they touch the ball have a chance to get in the end zone. And Deshaun Brown's one of those kids. And the last one I think of was was Zach Bond. Uh, when he played quarterback for Brown Deer, I was at one or two of his games and got a chance to film those a handful of years back. And, you know, as a quarterback, you know, I've seen him score five, six times in a game, and he just, just felt like every time he had the ball in his hands, he had a chance to score. Deshaun Brown is very similar. Well, and it's, you know, when you have a player like that in state who could play at a couple you know, uh, skill positions down the line, you know, I mean, obviously you're projecting a little bit, but uh, it's uh, – it, shapes up to be somebody that the Badgers are going to be very heavy on or heavy, heavily interested in uh, as they move forward into the next recruiting class. Yeah, absolutely. He'll be a big target for them. Um, I talked to him. He said Minnesota's jumped in the mix now. Uh, Iowa's there, Michigan State, and then Notre Dame. So uh, he's a kid that he puts up big numbers each and every week. And, um, you know, if he goes out and camps a lot of places this summer, his recruitment could really explode. Sure. So uh, as we transition away from the, the recruiting segment of the podcast, why don't we uh, take a look at Wisconsin's upcoming matchup against BYU. Uh, it's been a while since the, the Badgers last uh, had a, a true non-conference road game. Last one was uh, in 2013, which I think Wisconsin fans, is that's one that they would like to forget with how that one went down out in, uh, out in Tempe with uh, the officials not spotting the ball up after uh, Joel Stavi uh, kind of Gave himself up trying to set up for that field goal, uh, but that, I guess that one's uh, in the past. The Badgers had kind of transitioned a little bit uh, and played, um, you know, teams like LSU and Alabama in non-conference or in non-conference games. But they did it at neutral sites instead of uh, as parts of home and homes or uh, just single trips out. Uh, so this is the return game for a uh, trip out to Madison that the Cougars made in 2013. Um, I guess I'm curious to see what you guys are expecting to see out of the team as they uh, go out on the road for the first time this year. Obviously, I think, John, I remember you and I were talking in the preseason that this was a game that you uh, thought was a big measuring stick uh, for the Badgers this year. And I, I agree with you just because BYU is, you know, um, they have their ups and downs a little bit too. But generally, it's a very consistent program out there. They have to deal with a lot of challenges uh, when it comes to being independent and, uh, you know, um, having some kind of similar recruiting restrictions and, and all that. But uh, I guess I'm curious what, what the both of you are thinking um, this game will look like. And, you know, what, what, what do you want to see out of the Badgers when they go into Provo to, to get a sense for just what kind of season they can have this year? Yeah, so um, I have think the Badgers are going to put up a good fight against BYU. Um, I want to see if their defense can continue their kind of historical run they got going on right now. They have 18 tackles for loss after two games, and right now that's tied with the big their Big Ten rivals, Michigan and Ohio State. So they've also blanked both teams, Utah State and Florida Atlantic, in the second half for points. And I want to see if their defense can hold up away from Camp Randall because I know the crowd – I can't run the energy kind of gives them an extra boost when they run in the second yeah, that's, that's part or second half. I'm sorry. So I want to see if they can maybe rebound from any sluggish start and away from home. Cause this, after this, besides that bye week it's a tough stretch against Northwestern, Nebraska, Purdue and Maryland who Maryland right now is doing very well. So this is a big game for the Badgers indeed. 
Yeah, it, I think this game has lost a little luster in my eyes. I, I thought, you know, BYU would be 2-1, and one, you know, maybe had a chance to be 3-0, and oh, uh, depending on how things went against LSU. Obviously, LSU is a very good football team. But, um, you know, I, I still think it's going to be a good test for Wisconsin. Like like Mills mentioned, going on the road, um, you know, that true road test for this for this group, um, I think will be big, big for them. Um, you know, what about the elevation too? It's, uh, that's, that's a little yeah. thing, um, that, uh, that could be interesting to see how Wisconsin adjusts to that. So, um, I'm also just personally, I'm really interested to see, uh, for BYU, Ula Tolatau, uh, cause he's yeah, a kid I'm that, kidding. uh, he's a kid I covered a, quite a bit when he was being recruited by Wisconsin. And, um, you know, he was a huge, huge priority for Gary Anderson and, you know, obviously Anderson earned his commitment and he, he signed with Wisconsin and then uh, he went on a two-year mission. And then during that time, obviously Gary Anderson left and uh, Wisconsin released him from his scholarship paperwork and stuff like that. He wound up at BYU, but you know, they, they list him at six foot one and 250 pounds. And um, earlier this afternoon, I was watching some film from last week against Utah and uh, yeah, he, you know, he's, he's an athletic six foot one and 250 pounds. He moves extremely well. You can definitely see what Gary Anderson was thinking when when he offered him because he he also told this kid that he played tailback for the Badgers. So um, he's kind of someone that emerged for them against Utah, and he's he's probably their number one uh, running back right now. I think Wisconsin will see a lot of him on Saturday, and and there's an outside chance to also see Austin Kefensis too. He's yeah, listed who, as their who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, he's listed as their number three running back. Um, he, I think he's finally accepted his fate in the world of college football that maybe quarterback's just not in the cards for him. So um, I think he was doing some scout team work at quarterback, but right now he's listed as a, as a third string tailback. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a obviously 100% chance you see Ula Tolatau uh, outside chance. You see Austin offenses too on Saturday. Yeah. I think the, the big thing that uh, I, I'm going to be watching for is just what kind of play the Cougars are going to get from their quarterback spot because it really does look like as of right now that uh, Tanner Mangum is not going to play for the Cougars this weekend. He, uh, at the end of the Utah game, got his ankle rolled up on the report is that he is uh, in a walking boot um, and so hasn't, uh, hasn't, hasn't been practicing um, the, the BYU coaching staff and uh, people around the program have been kind of tight lipped in terms of what they, uh, what they're expecting out of him. So it, it really does seem like uh, there's a good chance that uh, the Cougars are going to have to play uh, their backup quarterback, I believe named uh, Bo uh, Hogue, Hogue or Hodge or, or something like that. But uh, he played in uh, 2015, a couple games, uh, redshirted last year, I guess from watching his film from, from high school, his huddle tape and the, the reports out of, uh, out of Provo and out of Utah suggests that uh, the, their backup quarterback is a little more mobile than um, Tanner Mangum is. So definitely something to keep an eye on uh, in terms of uh, which quarterback Wisconsin's offense is, or Wisconsin's defense, excuse me, is going to have to uh, co- going to have to go up against. And so it, I think for Wisconsin's defense, I just want to see if from a pass rush standpoint, how do they stack up against this BYU offense, which is much more similar to Wisconsin's offense in terms of, uh, you know, huddling up, um, you know, running the ball more. It's more of a pro style attack, although they can um, kind of work the pace a little bit, uh, but not, not nearly to the extent that Utah state and Florida Atlantic were able to, where I think uh, Jim Leonard said that 
uh, Florida Atlantic was able to to hit on a deep pass and then go down and uh, and uh, snap the ball again for another play like 12 seconds later. So it's it's quite a quite an adjustment, and I think Wisconsin's defense was looking forward to playing against a team that you know resembles their own offense a little bit, just because you know they went through fall camp having to tee off against their own offense, so they feel a little little bit more comfortable going up against it. But from a pass rush standpoint, the the Badgers are looking to see just what kind uh, of attack they have there and. You know, if John, if like what John McNamara was saying before, if Wisconsin's defense has been a little purposely vanilla uh, in their first two games, this would be a good game to uh, kind of uh, show a little bit more leg and uh, show what uh, Leon Jacobs and Garrett Dooley can do from that outside linebacker spot uh, to see if they can go and uh, try and get a few more tackles for loss or put the quarterback on the ground a little bit more often than what they have over the last couple uh, over Wisconsin's last two games, even though. Uh, the, the Badgers have a, a fair number of tackles for loss and sacks. They they just like you know um, the offense having to clean some things up. That's an area where the Badgers feel like they've left some, left some plays on the field. So I guess that's the thing that I'm going to be uh, looking for when they uh, play this game on Saturday. Also, the offensive line. You know, what if what if Bo Benchall is not able to go? Yeah, um, that's. You know, will they start Jason Erdman? You know, a walk on who? That's that's my sense is that it would be Erdman. Yeah, because I was I was like penciling in the next option. I think you go Dieter to left guard, and then you move David Edwards to left tackle, and you put Patrick Castle in at right tackle with Micah Kapoy at right guard. With yeah. would that be fine with with Biotis in the middle? Yeah, I, you yeah. know it. With what Paul Chris had to say today, it sounded like Erdman would be the guy, but uh, I think they certainly have options there. But you know, this is just another you know injury. You know, are injuries going to be the reason why? You know, I don't want to you know blame stuff on injuries if you're a Wisconsin fan, but you know, will will injuries kind of derail the the huge expectations that Wisconsin has for the season? They've they certainly haven't been trending in the right direction early early so far. That, that's my sense is that if Benchwall is not able to play, that they would um, play Erdman at guard opposite Michael Kapoy. Just, I mean, just from – I think they really don't want to have to move Michael Dieter back inside if they don't have to. Just because, you know, they invested a lot of time in getting him ready to play – outside uh during fall camp and he's taken some steps forward i I feel like he's uh, much more comfortable there than he was at the start of fall camp certainly and you know moving him back inside you know that just involves so much more shuffling from you know like you said moving david edwards to the left side and putting castle back up on the first team and so even though you know that might be your way to get your most experienced guys uh, in terms of like your your five up for that line in there is it worth it if you're going to be putting your experienced players in in new spots where everybody is playing a new spot instead of promoting one guy you know from your second from your second team offense and hoping that they can you know kind of uh, rise to the challenge and uh, you know take on this uh, BYU front seven yeah right it's a lot of moving parts. I mean, the last few weeks, all the members on the most of the members on defense have been stressing miscommunication early on. So, I mean, if there's guys playing where they're not comfortable or new guys filling in injured starters, we could see a Badger teams maybe get some miscommunication early and possibly get into a hole that's a little too deep to dig out of. Yeah. So, so with all, I mean, with all that in mind. Um, 
it's it's kind of funny. I mean, just talking about the the interesting challenge and and all this um, that the Badgers have to have to uh, to rise up to when they go out to uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium and, and play this game on Saturday. I still, when I'm doing my prediction, I still think I have them winning by like two touchdowns, uh, which is pretty good for a, a non you know a true non conference road game. I I just I just with especially with um, with Tanner Mangum's status uncertain at best for this game, if not, you know, it, it really does. It, it really does seem like the the writers that cover the team and, and everybody that like that expects him to not play this weekend. I just wonder with BYU's offense that they've shown up to this point, having to play um, Wisconsin's defense. Uh, I just I wonder if they're going to be able to put up many points, and I feel like the Badgers will find a way to make it work. in in particular, if if Benchwall is able to play, I feel like the prediction that I went on a radio station out in Utah earlier this week, and I said like 24 to 10 feels like kind of what I'm expecting it to be. If Benchwall is able to go, you can kind of keep that offensive line consistent. So I guess I'm curious as to what you guys are expecting from a score perspective in this game. Yeah, I'd say I'm in the same ballpark. Um, yeah, I, there's nothing that I saw from Wisconsin the first two weeks that's that's super worrisome. I um, mean, you know, I think think they'll go on the road and, and pick up a good win. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, maybe something like 31 to 13. I think maybe they have a little bit more offense than you're thinking, John. But uh, I, I think they win this game pretty comfortably. Yeah, I'm going to sound like the bad guy to any Badger fans, but I actually have them losing 26 to 20 against BYU. I mean, their record at home, they just feel the Badgers are just so comfortable at Cam Randall. And I feel like, I mean, the elevation might be a factor. They, I mean, this team hasn't has never played there, so I think that even with their sluggish first starts, even with uh, BYU Magnum quarterback out this week, I think the Badgers are going to have a little bit of a tough time. But I think they're going to rebound after this game. But I do have them losing this game. Yeah. Well, interesting and something that I didn't know until uh, like earlier uh, earlier in this week is that I, I believe this is the first time any Big Ten team will go out to uh, to BYU for a game. Uh, so, you know, either way, uh, win or lose for the Badgers, the Big Ten will be one and zero or zero and one in uh, in Provo against the Cougars. So, uh, unless you guys have anything else to add, I, I think uh, that'll uh, wrap it up for us here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast for this week's episode. Um, you know, one more time, um, John McNamara and John Mills, thanks for joining us here on the show today. Uh, where can uh, guys find you on uh, um, Twitter if people want to follow you for uh, recruiting and uh, football, basketball, news and notes? I am at McNamara Rivals. I am at RealJ underscore Mills. Right. Well, make sure that uh, you guys go out and follow them. You can also follow me uh, on Twitter. It's at uh, John Veldheis. That's uh, V-E-L-D-H-U-I-S. Uh, make sure that you are uh, downloading and subscribing to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast that helps us out in terms of uh, people being able to find us in iTunes. So if you like the show, make sure you're subscribed. If you want if you want to uh, give us a rating and a review, that would be awesome too. We'd love to hear from uh, anybody listening out there or things that you'd like us to talk about more or have any suggestions for us. We'd certainly appreciate them. So uh, for uh, John McNamara and John Mills, I'm John Veldheis. We're signing off from the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week.